Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Believe in Florida Gators podcast. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. You can find me on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host, Demetrius Harvey at Demetrius82. In addition to hosting this pod, we are your guys over at allgators.com, powered by Fan Nation Sports Illustrated, bringing you daily Florida Gators written and video content, covering every aspect of the team, football, recruiting, basketball, you name it. We got you, as well as our team of writers over there. Uh, Demetrius, as always, say what's up to the people. It's uh, it's another fun day to be talking about the Florida Gators. What's up, everyone? We have another exciting episode, obviously, of the Believe in Florida Gators football podcast. I'm really excited that you guys are joining us again for another episode. Um, it's just been a great time being able to do this with you guys. Plus, it's just always fun to be able to talk about football in general, even though we're in sort of like a dead period of sorts. Um, when it comes to any news or anything of that nature. But, you know, it's still fun, and me and Zach will always be here. So, um, yeah. Certainly feels like it, even though it's uh, there's not much news, though. What we've been able to do, and we're going to touch on this again in this episode like we did last week, uh, is do some traveling for recruiting, getting to go watch some guys, uh, some Florida top targets, see a lot of their coaches out on uh, on the road evaluating these guys as well. It's kind of that perfect time as high school is wrapping up their spring camp. That'll be our third segment of the show today because we're going to be talking about Cormani McLean. In my opinion, the number one player in America in the class of 2023. I got to go watch him on Thursday night at his spring game against Apopka. Uh, that be He plays for Lake Gibson down in Lakeland. Um, we'll talk about that as well as uh, a commitment that Florida gained earlier this week in Bryce Lovett from Rockledge, offensive lineman, a lot of strengths to talk about there. But first off, I'm talking like two minutes before we started hitting record on this podcast. The news broke that Jermaine uh, Lole, uh, Arizona State defensive tackle in the transfer portal, announced that he has committed to Louisville. Florida was in on this recruitment. He was expected to officially visit. He had a date set. I'm blanking on it, but I will pull it up in time for us to talk. Uh, Florida was supposed to have momentum. Not sure if they ever really were able to pick it up, though, because Louisville got him on campus and ultimately gained his commitment. Big pickup for the Cardinals there. We'll get into all of that after a few brief words from our uh, from our partners, as told by Demetrius Harvey. Yeah, you know, this week we have Bet Online again. I know you guys are really enjoying them. So, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all of the latest odds, news, sports developments for the NBA playoffs, which has been kind of sad for my Miami Heat um, as of late, Major League Baseball fights, and NFL futures. Uh, Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs including live betting and the fan favorite vegas casino and poker games um, it's really easy to get started head on to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code believe b-l-e-a-v to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts please bet responsibly definitely bet responsibly and um 
don't mean to diss Florida here, but maybe don't bank on transfer commitments as of yep. right now or bet on, bet on I that. Say. Yeah, because we are going to get into this Lole news. You know, he was actually supposed to visit this weekend, uh, it turns out. <laughs> May 20th was supposed to be his official. Uh was supposed to be his second of four with Louisville, Florida, Texas Tech, and Oregon uh, in that order. But here we are. He's well, a Louisville Cardinal now. Florida does not get their OV, I would imagine, at least. Um, and he's going to go up to a place where we know, talking from our uh, – Fan Nation SI Louisville reporter Matt McGavick. Louisville badly needed a defensive tackle too, just like Florida, probably more than Florida, even though, as we've discussed before, Gators are not in great shape at nose tackle. Uh, That felt – that was mean. That was mean of me. No, I mean I, I understand what you're what you're talking about. It, I didn't mean it to come off as a slight towards Desmond Watson there, but no. that is like that's why that's that's been a big reason why they need a tackle, Demetrius. I'm sure you can expand on it better than I can because I'm a, I'm rude now. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I I think everybody understood what you're saying. I mean, the, the, simply put, the depth isn't great at that position, and it's not a slant against or a slight against Desmond Watson at all. I mean, the guy is going to be a fantastic player for Florida. I think at least in in the trenches when you get near the goal line huge body guy who can just you know take up space I think that's exactly what they need Um, but there's definitely an aspect of that where like I mean how many snaps is he gonna get I mean that that, that's that's the case for every big nose tackle you need a deep defensive line Um, it's very rare for a defensive lineman to play all snaps even Javon Dexter who is probably one of the most athletic players on the team is not going to play all, you know, maybe 60, however many snaps per game. So uh, looking back on it, it, it just makes sense. Billy Napier has said plenty of times that, hey, you know, we have a good first string. Our second string is is, is, is sort of there. And then after that, they're, they're sort of missing a lot of pieces. And I think we've already talked about it a lot where, you know, Napier said they're going to bring in about 10, you know, double, gi- double digit transfers. And so – for for him to say that, that obviously means that he felt as though they needed a lot more depth, different players to be their depth than what they have currently, and they just weren't able to land this guy. I think that this is um, this stings a bit. I I, I know that Lole is not a household name or anything, but the guy put up six and a half sacks in 2019. He's not a, a slouch. He has plenty of games played, plenty of games started. Um, he's a guy who can come in and be just like you know the players that they've gotten in the past. You know. A, a, a new Kirk or, you know, all of those other guys that they're able to get in the past few years. So when you think about it in, in that sense and, and how much depth they need, I don't think it was a sign at all on what you said. It's just sort of the facts. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the, the big issue with Lole is that he missed all last season with an injury. He also missed a lot of time in 2020. We don't really know what he is anymore. Sure. Right. Like when he did play, he PFF had him as the number two defensive tackle in the country entering the 2020 season. Um, in 2020, in the four games he played, he had 18 pressures. You know, like mm-hmm. when he's healthy, this kid would have been everything Florida needed as a nose tackle. You you want Watson right now to play maybe 25 to 30 snaps a game on early right. downs. You want someone to step in next to him on thirds opposite of Jervon Dexter and be able to rush the passer, and that's exactly what Lole is. That's what they were projecting Darrell Jackson to be, too, who ended up committing to Miami as a Maryland transfer. So that's, you know, that's two misses now at a huge position of need. It's one that Florida needs help at. And there's just the transfer portal deadline came and went for players to be able to play this year. Mm -hmm. And there's not really anything left out there. They're going to have to depend on 
the guys they have, players that are coming in, freshmen are going to have to play early. Uh, Chris McClellan is one of those guys. Maybe Jamari Lyons is another. Uh, Jalen Lee's <laughs> going to have to step up. Players like that, you know, because Desmond Watson, again, good player, but we saw even in the spring game, you know, I was impressed that he was even on the field at times for like three to five plays in a row did decently on some of those plays, but you could see by the end of a drive, he was just getting worn out. You know, you need more depth, especially in the trenches in the sec with the competition you face. Well, they would have been a fantastic addition. <laughs> he when really it, uh, would have. Yeah. When it, when it comes to additions though, in the trenches, we do have some positive things to say. Uh, Wait, but before to... be- before we get into that, sorry, it was a great transition. I'm, I apologize to everybody, including Zach. Wow. But before we get into that, I do want to bring up a little bit more on the transfer portal because um, it, it, it's interesting, right? So this year obviously is a sort of bizarre year for a lot of these athletes. They're they're coming back um, using their uh, COVID years. Ventrell Miller is an example of that kind of guy. Um, so when you get down to it, the Gators sort of have an influx of, of, of players. Like, you know, if they exceed the 85 man limit, they're at around 88 men. And, you know, they're, if they keep the limit at 85, they're going to have to cut three players. They're either going to have to cut them or take their scholarships or however that would work. Either way, they're going to have to somehow get to 80, 85. And the transfer transfer uh, period has already you know, left. So players can't just transfer out and play this year. They would have to sit out a year. And I'm sure not many want to do that. But the good thing is perhaps there's a something coming. I don't know for sure. This is just me thinking out loud. Me Just me thinking about how the NCAA might do things. But uh, recently they came out saying that they're going to waive the limit of 25 players being added per uh, per cycle, which is great for for teams that need to just you know put an, an influx of talent into their program because they're losing players via the transfer portal and and whatnot. So over the next two years, you can just have unlimited basically uh, players come in. Some feel as though that could be a precursor to them waiving the. COVID year players as part of the limit for the 85 man team roster, which obviously would bring the Gators down to probably below the 85 and allow them to even bring in a couple of players, potentially depending on how many players they have on that COVID year, you know, waiver. Um, that's going to be interesting to see. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but I think that that sort of, that could be some of the thinking going on um, with the Florida Gators, I feel like. And, and if so, it, it would make sense. It makes sense that you don't just see all of a sudden, you know, a few, you know, plenty of transfers from Florida. We only saw Carlos Del Rio Wilson and, and maybe one other, you know, before, before the deadline. So yeah, Lamar goods, Lamar goods. Yeah, there it is. And and so that, That's a given. Yeah. Emory. Well, Emory was Emory was a, a little bit before than when we would have expected guys to sort of leave, but yeah. So, so you know, we'll see what happens there. Um, but like Zach said, you know, in the trenches right now, we didn't have plenty of good news on the defensive line, but there is some good news, right, Zach, on the offensive line potentially. Yeah, that's right. Florida added a commitment on Monday in Rockledge offensive lineman Bryce Lovett. And if you um if you've been following recruiting, if you're a follow follow the visits type of person, Bryce Lovett is a name you know because only Derek LeBlanc visited Florida more during the spring. I believe Lovett's at five times, has an official set for June third, I want to say. June third, yep. Yep, June third. Yeah. 
330-pound uh, offensive tackle prospect. Uh, Florida's been high on him for quite a bit. He was one of the very first prospects to visit in January um, when they started to put more attention on the 2023 class with the new coaching staff. Billy Napier offered him personally on his very first visit in January, came back four times throughout the spring, and, and seemed to enjoy everyone. He told our Brandon Carroll that he actually had been committed to Florida silently, or to the staff at least, uh, since the spring game on April 14th, but had a Final Four, did a formal announcement on his birthday on the 17th of May, and here we are. Um, Demetrius, I think that he's another offensive lineman um, that can you know, be developed into a great depth player at the very least. It's their second offensive lineman in the class with Nijay Harris out of IMG Academy, who committed a week before. Harris is a guy that you want to you know, envision is maybe by year two or so he's able to compete to start, you know, talented player out of IMG. Lovett may not be that quickly acclimated. Uh, he's a little lower rated prospect. Um, consensus rankings have him around the 60s for offensive tackles. Um, but we love his versatility. He's a guy that's played guard before, currently plays tackle. Florida thinks that he could play both sides of the line, guard and tackle. They want to get him in reshape his body a bit and ultimately see where he best fits. But that's, you know, I don't necessarily care too much if you're in the 600 to 800 overall range as, you know, clearly not the top offensive lineman in the class. You would imagine Florida's going to pull in a bigger named offensive tackle. They've got Harris. They might go and get another guy. But one of these projects that's in that, you know, mid to high three-star range that you can develop over time that has versatility, that clearly has, you know, a love for the program itself, has the size, has the intangibles, you know, I, I, I think it's a great take. Absolutely. I think that um, when it comes to offensive linemen especially, um, it's very hard to not necessarily believe the rankings or anything like that, but to um, take it for gospel. It's really easy to to look at a ranking for a, a wide receiver or a quarterback even and see that ranking and be like, okay, well, yes, you know, this guy clearly looks like a guy who's going to be – um, a fantastic player or, you know, a middling player perhaps. But for offensive linemen, it's very tough. You've seen plenty of offensive linemen in the past go from three-star guys, consensus three-star guys ranked in the 1,000 sometimes, and they're out there, you know, becoming the best offensive linemen in the country in a few years' time. I'm not saying that Lovett's going to do that, obviously, but I'm saying um, to take his ranking and then just kind of poo-poo on it, just be like, eh, well, it, it's a it's a middling guy. I don't think that you can do that. I think that what you do is project from their size measurables, how they le- how they use their hands, obviously their techniques and things of that nature as well, their athleticism, and then you sort of project and you hope that your guys like Rob Sale, a former NFL coach, and Darnell Stapleton, you know, a former Super Bowl winner, those kind of guys can come in and you know mold them into the players that they want to be. And, and I'll say this again, um, when you think about rankings, you know, where did you think that, you know, Osiris Torrance ranked, you know, coming out, you know, going to going to Louisville? He was the 1,697th overall prospect, 145th offensive tackle in the country. Louisiana, um, by the way. Louisiana. So I'm a stickler. I got you. And yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry. I completely <laughs> I completely mistracked that um, in my brain. My brain said one thing and my mouth said another. But yeah, no, like it, so, can't, it can't it can't get worse than calling a player fat man. I already took the L from the podcast. Yeah, it's okay. That's on me. <laughs> but um, before we get too sidetracked, uh, yeah, 
the, the, the point is, though, it's that Torrance is supposed to be their, their best offensive lineman this year, right? He's one of the top offensive linemen in the country. I think that everybody expects him, if he has a good year, like he's expected to declare for the NFL draft and possibly go in the second round, first round, who knows where he's going to go. But the point of the matter is that guys like Lovett, who have that versatility to play inside, outside, um, play potentially four different positions for you, you got to love it. So um, no pun intended there. You, 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 you got to love it. You got, you got to, that'll be a good headline one day. That um, is the title just, of this podcast. You got to love it. There you go. Um, but yeah, so I, I think it was a, a good get, obviously, by Florida. And I think that, you know, moving forward, we're going to see a lot of guys like that maybe come to pass. And um, it'll be interesting to see. One of two, like we said already, commits in the class on the offensive line so far. I would expect more. We talked about this for many, many Many a time is what I'll call it that Florida struggled recruiting offensive linemen under John Hevesy. They badly, badly need blue chip talent at offensive tackle guys that could play by year two at, you know, at the worst. And there's plenty of options, you know, especially in the state of Florida, we've talked about Peyton Kirkland. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some other players scattered throughout the state. There are some out of state guys. Monroe Freeling is a guy I really like that loved his visit when he came in March. Um, it'll certainly be something to watch as we, make our way into crunch time of recruiting in the second half of the year. Uh, speaking of, or I guess, keeping it on the same subject of recruiting, um, our last topic will cover my trip to Lakeland on Thursday night. Got to go and watch uh, Cormani McLean at Lake Gibson. Uh, kind of sucked scheduling-wise only because that game was supposed to take place on Friday, but there is uh, projections for some rain in the Lakeland area on Friday. They moved it back a day. Therefore, I missed out on checking out Creed Whittemore, uh, the Gators receiver commit at Buholz. He played Thursday night, apparently played really well um, on Thursday for Buholz. But again, he was also at quarterback, not so much receiver, didn't really get to evaluate from that. And I've seen him at quarterback before. So not the end of the world to have missed him. Still got to see, as I said earlier, in my opinion, the number one player in the country um, in Cormani McLean. Uh, as mentioned earlier as well, Corey Raymond was there, the Florida Gators cornerbacks coach. He is he is he's probably the reason why Florida is so high in Cormani's recruitment. Uh, he's obviously been a Florida guy for some time, taking a lot of visits dating back to the last coaching staff. Um, and he, in the interest has remained high with Raymond being here, a guy that recruited him to LSU, obviously has in my opinion, the most impressive resume developing defensive backs in college football right now. Just look at his draft picks year in and year out when he was doing defensive backs as a whole at LSU earlier in his career, and he was sending Mm -hmm. safeties and corners, corners year after year since he had just transitioned to solely corners. I mean, Derek Stingley, number three this year. (laughs) That's a guy that's going to attract Cormani. He he says as much. Um, But Cormani is a gifted player, man. I mean, Apopka only threw the ball – probably single digits last night. They're a ground-heavy attack. Uh, they did not test Cormani. They didn't look his way. They knew better than to look his way because when he got his hands and played some press, even at 165 pounds, I mean, this kid is going to need to put on weight before he can play many snaps at the next level. But at the same time, he's muscular and wiry, so, like, I get mm-hmm. the attraction. But even at his size, man, you know, he delivered a hit-stick-and-run support impressed he threw guys out of bounds within the check yardage um, area of five yards no he, he looks even at his size like he could step up and at least athletically and with muscle 
hang with great receivers in the SEC. This kid is gifted. 19 interceptions in his first two years of playing cornerback after switching from receiver. He's this kid's special. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean that it, it just goes to show you that um, the Gators aren't messing around. You know, for for them to be in on a guy who's you know your number one player, a consensus you know top five player among you know all of the recruiting databases and things like that. I think that everybody knows that this is probably one of the best players in the country easily. Um, for 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 them to be in on a guy like that, it just I think it just goes to show the influence that Corey Raymond has already had. Um, you kind of talked about it already, but I mean the, the guy's resume speaks for itself. Uh, you know, Greedy Williams, Tredavious White, uh, Jamal Adams, Derek Stingley, um, Kelvin Joseph, Grant Delpit, Patrick Queen, even as a secondary recruiter back in the day, he he brought him in as a linebacker. I mean, just these guys that he was able to get at LSU. And then also get them to be first round picks or, you know, second round picks or, you know, high draft picks. And most of these guys are still in the NFL today. Late, um, late round draft picks that developed into quality yeah. NFL players, too. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it just goes to show you that um, his ability not just to recruit, but to develop is the biggest intrigue for these guys and McLean would be heading into an ideal situation in that regard, especially because if you think about the Gators depth at corner, it's kind of muddied, um, you know, after, after Marshall, no one really knows. So, you know, he could maybe step in as a freshman, depending on, you know, how, how things go over the next year um, and sort of get in there and play in 2023. So it will be interesting to see. I think I, I really liked what he said. Um, to you, Zach, when when he spoke about you know what he's taken already from Raymond and what he's told him to work on his footwork and things of that nature, I think that that just shows his you know work ethic and and that he's actually um, taking to coaching already. You know he's getting coached up already a little bit by Raymond. Obviously they're not on the field getting after it or anything like that, but you know if he's sending them tips or he's telling them this and that on his visits and things like that, that is is just it just speaks towards the the the, the type of recruiter the type of person and the you know the type of coach that Raymond is I think I, I just can't speak more highly about this guy I think that it, it's it's a slam dunk um, hire by the Gators now obviously if they don't end up with McLean for some reason then people are gonna you know be be upset but you know for for right now it just seems like that it just makes sense it's like a match made in heaven you get the number one cornerbacks coach in the country potentially number one and the uh, number one cornerback in the 2023 recruiting class and I mean that's perfect yeah I agree it's um it's interesting with Cormani he's a soft-spoken guy uh, likes to let his play do the talking he doesn't love interviews but we were able to catch up with him for a bit last night um he released a top eight in February, and I don't want to go through all the schools. Um, the four I'm about to talk about, as well as BYU, are, <laughs> yeah. are yeah, BYU is in my memory. Um, <laughs> but it, from what we can tell from the schools he mentioned, it, it seems like it's turned into a four-team race between Florida, Alabama, Georgia, and, uh, and Miami. Mm. Truthfully, I think it's more of a two-team, maybe three-team race the two teams being Florida and Alabama, Georgia potentially being the third. Uh, it's interesting because Georgia, from what he could recall at the time, uh, well, no, for a fact, he hasn't gotten them officially scheduled yet, but Georgia is the only school he has an official set up to. It is in late June. Florida, he's going to be doing one in early June. I would imagine it'll be maybe that June 10th one. 
um, where a lot of different guys are going to be coming up anyway, maybe before it. And, and I know within the month of June, he wants to do one to Alabama as well. Um, the original thought was he was going to commit in June or during the summertime. Um, he said it before, and that was just kind of the rumor going around. Last night, he said he's now thinking he might want to push this thing into the season, maybe after the season. Mm. I'm curious. Like, I don't know if that's if that's an NIL-driven thing. If so, kudos yeah. to him. I think he's smart enough to understand how this thing works at this point. But at the same time, like, Florida's been such a heavy favorite for him for a while. Alabama's been consistently in the mix. And with it that narrowed down – I still feel like at some point, if he's impressed by an official so much, he could end up shutting it down at that point. And, and right. we'll see. I mean, it also, he's one of those kids that you expect to wait until the very end of the cycle. Again, I'll say it as, until I'm blue in the face, because I don't love that Arch Manning is the consensus number one, five star, every single. Um, I get why it's happening. Name. Yeah. But it's Cormani, man. He this kid is the truth. And again, mm-hmm. you couldn't you couldn't think of a better pair than the number one cornerbacks coach in the country with the number one player in the country uh, also being the number one corner. I think that he would be a great addition to the class. And I'm I'm curious if he does end up being a gator. I'm also very curious if he doesn't, because I gotta see where they go from there. But let's for for the purpose of this exercise, if he were to end up at Florida, what the ripple effect would be. You know, they're in contention for A.J. Harris out of Alabama, Tony Mitchell out of Alabama, who is also from Lakeland. So there is a tie there for Florida as well. Um, There's some pretty great, although maybe a little underrated talent in the state of Florida. Sharif Denson's been on Florida's radar for two years out of Bartram Trail, 904, baby, Jacksonville, St. John County. Uh, I represent. There's – um, there's <laughs> Jesus. There's um there's some guys rising uh, Osceola when I was down there last week I got to watch their corner Jakeem Jackson who's had like 25 offers in the past two days, not really. But Georgia Iowa offered him after Iowa was there at the scrimmage I watched. Uh, Purdue, a couple other LS or SEC schools I think LSU is one of them. I know Alabama's another. Um, fast rising meets the mold that Corey Raymond likes long and athletic. He can do the rest. He can teach the rest as long as you've got the speed and the length to play the ball in the SEC. He's happy. Jackson's one of those guys. Kenton Kirkland, a UF legacy. His uncle played at Florida in the 80s to 90s. Uh, out of Reigns, another 904 guy, but this time Duval County. Uh, Duval. He, he, he meets the requirements as well. He plays safety now, but he's super long, super athletic. Plays. My buddy told me this. He plays safety like a corner with just his – Quick titch, uh, twitch and ability to track the ball and go make a play. He had 12 pass breakups uh, as a junior last year. I'm thinking, let's say they get Cormani, even though it would be a luxury to then go and add another top player in A.J. Harris or Tony Mitchell. Mm-hmm. They want to shut down the state. These guys are rising. Jakeem Jackson is like a consensus number 400-something guy, but if you look at 247's ratings, what they just bumped him up, He's a top 200 to 220 player in the class right now. That would be a great addition. Also probably helps you with the John Walker and Derek LeBlanc out of Osceola. A similar deal with Kirkland. I think he's a top 500 consensus, but on three has him as a top 330. Or maybe that's 247. It's one of them that has him a lot higher sure. than what his consensus is right now. Denson, again, is, some guy, is a guy with a lot of ties. And there are a lot of other talents throughout the state of Florida that, again, 
Harrison Mitchell, luxury, also being courted by Alabama in that state, Texas A&M, the schools with cough, cough, NIL. I mean, great recruiting pitches. Um, that, you know, they, you get Cormani, and I don't think you worry. You just take what you can get from the state and lock it down at that point because they're going to get interest nationally for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's one of the things that we have to keep in mind too. Um, when If you get a guy like Cormani, do you necessarily have to have a guy like A.J. Harris and Tony Mitchell? Obviously, if you can get all three of those guys, you, you, you'll you love it, you know, because you have a freaking rotation for days. You know, you'll have a guy, a, a three, you know, cornerback setup that is unbelievable potentially because of, of you know, their, their talent level and, and where they're ranked and things like that. You may have but to move a guy to safety because you might have to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because you can't put all three on the field. Or if you don't like a guy, you know, if you like them all as boundary corners, maybe you do have to move one to safety, you know, like things like that. But you would obviously it would make your defense great. But you're right. What if they get McLean and then, you know, they, they're like, OK, well, now not that we don't need Harris and Mitchell because, you know, every team will say that they need every single five star. But now you can go ahead and look at these guys, like you're saying, you know, Denson, who's, you know, rising guy, and and, and, he, and he's somebody who can come in and still and still develop. Um, you have Corey Raymond, one of the best developers of, of cornerbacks um, in the nation that we, we've already talked about. So you can sort of miss out on a guy like Mitchell and Harris potentially and get the guys who are not as highly touted but are still plenty good players um, that are in the country. I think that that's a really good – uh, thing to, to talk about and then also yeah you're right what if they do want to just go within the state uh, both Harris and Mitchell are from Alabama I mean it's, it's not to say that like you can't bring in the Alabama kids but if you bring in guys from Florida and you get the top tier talent you know according to high school coaches according to other players that are played against them or with them uh, that speaks a lot of volume you know that, that that's that's something where now all of a sudden Florida oh wow they have 10 of the top players in Florida alone now they're not a team that has had to go out to Texas and Alabama and Louisiana and you know Oklahoma and like just outsourcing their their talent when they can just stay in house and stay in the state of Florida I think that that's a a really good you know way to go about recruiting because it does it it, it helps you it helps you grow connections down in the state it helps you grow connections with the high school coaches and, and their players. And I think that in the end, you'll start getting more top tier talent from Florida. So I really like that idea. I think that um, obviously if you can get Harris and Mitchell as well, you'll take them over the other guys just simply because of the talent level. Um, but if you don't get them, it, I don't think it's too big of a deal, especially if you get McLean. It's going to be interesting to watch. And uh, again, we were anticipating potentially a busy June. Well, if it was Cormani, if it was Derek LeBlanc, um, well, no, he's July. Uh, but those guys, I guess, yeah, June, July timeframe, we're anticipating maybe some commitments, maybe some momentum, which Florida started to pick up in recent weeks with a couple commitments. But now it may go down the line. It may not. But that's the beauty of recruiting is you ultimately know absolutely nothing. And even oh. if you think you're smart about it, you don't know jack crap. <laughs> Can I curse on this? I think, I mean, it's our podcast. We could curse, I think. I mean, all right. I'll, clean, I'll keep it clean this week, but we'll see yeah. how we're doing next week. We'll figure it out. It, 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 recruiting brings it out, man. You know, <laughs> it's so, it can be so aggravating sometimes. I understand. But, but it is fun to go and uh, to go and check out this talent. We've got a we've got a story up on Cormani McLean at allgators.com, as well as about a minute of highlights. Uh, I was able to capture some footage, and Demetrius put together the video for us. 
again, don't expect any uh, any targets. But even though someone gave me crap about this on Twitter last night or today, yeah. that's not all that goes into playing cornerback. Did you even go to the game? I was asked that, dude. What? what? <laughs> yeah. what? Did you even go as as you post a video from the game? Yeah, no, man. That story with my interview in person that says it's from the spring game with a photo of him that was taken by me at his spring game, but yeah. I actually was sitting at home controlling a drone that was hovering over Lake Gibson two and a half hours away. Which is probably a smarter plan anyway. Save the gas money, man. Yeah. That drive also sucks. Going from yeah, Gainesville, yeah. unless you go wrap around to Tampa and then back up I-4, which is like 30 minutes longer – yeah. But that dude, that drive sucks. A lot of nothing. <laughs> a lot of nothing. A lot of no cell service. Yes. I think um, that should just about do it for us today. You have any parting shots? Anything you want to bestow upon our listeners? Um. Yeah. So I'm going to be on vacation actually over the next couple of weeks. Um, we're not exactly sure how the podcast might go in terms of you know when we're going to be coming out with episodes or if Zach's going to bring a guy or just do it himself solo, or maybe I'll do it remotely. Who knows how that's all going to go, but, but just, you know, keep that in mind. If you don't see me or hear from me um, over the next couple of weeks, then, you know, that's why I'm just going on vacation for a little bit. Probably my first vacation. And since I got out of high school or not high school, <laughs> college, excuse me. Um, I've definitely done a, a vacation since then, but um, it feels like high school. So it's going to be an enjoyable time for me. Obviously, we're still going to have plenty of content going on um, on allgators.com. I'm going to have plenty of content coming out. I'm actually pre-writing a bunch of stuff that that's going to be just hitting the the airwaves or the Twitterverse or the internets, whatever you want to say, um, over the next coming days. So, yeah, um, thank you guys for listening, and I hope that you enjoyed. Demetrius is going to be uh, going to be listening to all of our podcasts as he drives up to the mountains of Virginia, getting yes. ready because he's going to miss this so much. Uh, I'm looking forward to my vacation, man. It's uh, it's about a month after yours, and by vacation, I mean going to Los Angeles and working every single day at Elite Eleven. But it'll still be fun. Uh, I am taking two personal days while I'm there. I didn't get to do that last year. I was too absorbed with uh, with the Nick Evers content. And that suddenly made me feel old. I can't believe that was only a year ago because it feels That's, like five. Yes. Crazy. But um, but until then, yeah, I'll be around still doing these pods. I might get Brandon Carroll back on or maybe some other guests, and we will uh we'll go from there. If Demetrius has cell service out in the mountains, then uh then we will <laughs> certainly get him back on here as well. Um, but I think that just about does it for us today. Uh again, before we check out, make sure to go and check out our sponsor at Bet Online and use our promo code believe B. L-E-A-V, that's B-L-E-A-V, uh, for some sort of reward that I already forget because Demetrius said it earlier and I zoned out. A 50% but welcome bonus. That's it. That's right. Go use that. Go check out allgators.com for our written content. Follow us on Twitter, myself at Zach underscore Goodall, Demetrius at Demetrius82. And wherever you listen to this podcast, I mean, literally the page you're on right now to listen to us, hit that five-star button. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Let us know what we're doing right. Let us know what we're doing wrong, what we can improve on, what you want to hear. You know, more content, more topics that you want in future episodes. We'll make sure to address it as long as you let us know. As for that, we will uh, we'll catch you guys later. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.